Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. You know, these are very familiar verses. But as I was thinking, if, if I had the opportunity to bring the anniversary message, I started thinking that these would be the verses. And I also realized I have taught these in Sunday school. I have done word studies on it. I've taught them in Bible study. But I've never preached a sermon from these verses. So maybe you've heard several anniversary messages from these verses, but I've never preached one. And God's Word's always fresh no matter what. And we're going to talk about a church that lives this morning. It is very appropriate at an anniversary service that we might look back and glance back on all that God has done. And, and maybe your minds and hearts will go there for a moment right now to consider what God has done over 52 years ago in this church and, and all along. And it's, it's good to glance back. We're, we're pressing forward for the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. But, but let us glance back and remember all that God has done. And, and so that's an appropriate message. But what we're going to do today, we're going to look forward that we might continue to do all that God has planned for us to do. We have a great example by this church. We have a great example by the model church in the Bible we're going to read about this morning. So in Acts 2, in verse 42, it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together." and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking of bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Let us pray. Father God, as we come to this moment in your house with your word, Lord, we exalt you on high. We thank you for your presence, for your power, for the power of your truth. Lord, I pray that you help me that I might convey a portion of your truth today for your glory, so you would be glorified, your son would be magnified, and your people edified, and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. You know, along the western coastline, you will find some of the largest living organisms that you'll ever see, the redwoods. Those redwoods that are said to be almost up to the height of a 40-story skyscraper building, 40 feet around. They are said to, to live maybe around 250 years. And underneath the ground of these groves of redwoods, you will find typically 
about 100 miles of roots. And those roots intertwine one another. And it's the life of those trees. It causes the closeness of those trees as they grow together and they have longevity in life. And here in the text, we have a church that is thriving. They are growing. They are closely united. And they serve as a great example for a church that will continue on and to be able to live on. So let's look at this church. And we're going to see some spiritually healthy choices that were made. This church was made up of an active people. They were active in the scriptures. In verse 42, it says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Doctrine is teaching of the Bible, teaching of the scriptures. And this church was faithful to the scriptures. When it was time for the teaching of the word of God, they were at Jesus' feet, as it were, and it was time for the word, and they took the word of God seriously. They were under sound Bible teaching, and they themselves became sound in doctrine. They did not waver from the truth teaching of the Holy Spirit concerning God's word and they were able to individually in their lives stand on the truth of God. I heard a story about two men who were sharing their doctrinal differences and one kept saying well my preacher says well my preacher says and the other said what do you say what do you believe Look, any good preacher, any good pastor is not going to be flattered by somebody going around saying, that's what my preacher says. We all need to individually be able to stand on the Word of God, sound in doctrine on our own. The true teachings of the Bible were settled in the hearts of these believers. They knew what they believed. They were active in the Scriptures. And we must continue with a strict, settled conviction on truth and true doctrine. The early church prospered because they embraced the truth. I've been around here some 15, 16 years now since, since my beginning and my family's beginning here. And, and I attribute success in this church to the power of the Word of God and people being able to stand on the Word of God, that will help a church to live. But they were not only active in the Scriptures, they were active with the, saint, with the saints. They were steadfast in doctrine. And then it goes on to say, and fellowship. Fellowship is having something in common together. You know, there are members of this church from countries that many of us have never been to before. We're not even familiar with the culture of those countries. There are business owners as members in this church, and then there are others who have never had a desire or a thought of owning their own business. And then there are those 
who can build a computer from scratch here. And there are others who have a hard time figuring out how to turn one on. But you see, all of these differences that we have in our lives are not what's important. Something that supersedes those things in the midst of our differences is what we have in common. And what we have in common just happens to be the greatest, most powerful, most important thing we could have in the world. We have fellowship. We, care, we share a commonness that brings us together in love. We have love and acceptance of one another because of the fellowship that we have. I know that we use this term fellowship. We use it in a very shallow way and we use it in a very simple way a lot of times. And by the way, it is fellowship when we put a casserole together and go sit and eat together. I mean, it is a sense of fellowship. But as we think about fellowship in the deepest sense of what it really is, you know, we not only have fellowship with those close by here, we have fellowship with people who are across this planet. You know, God calls people, let's say in this country, to be a missionary and they, they learn the language and, and they travel and they get sick on the water and the food for the first several months and they sacrifice, but they need a place to live. They need clothes on their back. They need food in their mouth. And, and we have the privilege of praying for, for many for all of them, and supporting them. So we have fellowship because of the common interest that we have one for another. We have love for sinners that they might come to the faith, and we have love for the people of God because of the fellowship that the saints share. When a church ceases to be close, it's because the glorious gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ ceases to be the passion of the hearts of the people. It is because of our salvation in Jesus Christ that we have become the family of God that's more important than anything else. And that is what brings about this fellowship that we have. We have a fellowship as we move forward in the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when our focus is that, we are able to come together in a way that we couldn't do backflips for one another to come together on our own. It is something that God does for you and I in fellowship whenever Jesus is our focus. The love that Jesus has for us is the love that we're going to have for one another as we share in common our salvation in Christ and the service in Christ that we move forward having. And we are going to love one another when that is the grounds we stand on. You know, I will say this, this church celebrated with daily meals throughout the day. I mean, they spent time together. I mean, they had dinner on the grounds, all right. They had dinner on the grounds of all becoming one in Christ. And it caused a bond. It brought about a closeness. There was the activity of sharing with one another. They shared. But there was also being active in supplication that we see, we still see here in verse 42 that they continued steadfastly in all of these things and in prayer. 
when prayer is motivated by the fact that we can do nothing without Jesus, which is what we're told in John chapter 15 and verse 5, then prayer is not going to be a ritual in our lives. It's not, oh, it's time to bow our heads. The time we bow is the time that we pick up the lifeline to heaven. The life of the church depends on what we do with the lifeline. And God has given us a lifeline in prayer. We realize how much we depend upon the Lord depending on how much time we spend in prayer. You know, there might be some churches out there and their greatest focus is performance. Maybe they go over and over everything and try to put on a performance. And they put that before prayer. Look, there must be prayer before anything else. When there is prayer, ministry leaders learn the importance of prayer. And the, the success of that ministry is going to come about by first praying. And so this church was a praying people. This is what a church is going to do that is going to continue to live on. Many churches experience weakness or even dissolve, and you can be sure that it's a lack of calling upon the Lord and depending on Him for what He can do that we can't do. Prayer is important. I called a friend of mine a while back. Preachers have some friends, and, and I called him, and I had called my friend many times, and he answered the phone, Hello. And this time his wife answered the phone and she said, he's praying, can he call you back? And I knew he wasn't blowing me off. I like him and he likes me. This was, this was several years ago and we're still friends to this day. I believed it, that it was sincere. And you know what I did? I hung up the phone and I started praying. I started praying in general for whatever it is that was on his heart. And that led into some supplication. I started praying for my family. I started praying for the family of God. If he would have called me back a little quick, I wouldn't have been able to answer the phone and I'd have had to call him back and say, sorry, I was praying, I couldn't get the phone. That affected me so greatly that I call. And, and, and what must have happened? I try, I try to figure things out. He must have handed his phone to his wife, gone into whatever his prayer closet is, and spent time with God. And I tell you, with prayer as our priority in our lives, in church ministry, before we take any step into anything we do that we would bathe it in prayer, we have great hope in God multiplying the future of His church. And this church living on. One preacher said, we don't need just theology, we need neology. We need a lot of neology in the church. We're not... Just an act of people, though, as we look at this model church, we see an attitude, people. This church gathered, they gave, and they were godly. They, man, they had an attitude. We see this in verses 44 through 46. We see in verse 44 that they were gathered. 
and all that believed were together and had all things common. They were family from every spiritual angle you could look at this church from. They made themselves responsible for one another, responsible to one another. They loved one another. They lived with one another. They looked after one another and they were concerned for one another. They truly gathered. They not only truly gathered as a church... They gave, and we see that in verse 45, and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. This wasn't just a poor stewardship. This wasn't a blindly giving, but it was a beautiful giving as the righteous saints had need and they were given based on their real needs. They gave selflessly. They gave with no strings attached. They gave scripturally. Romans chapter 8, 12 verse 8, when it talks about giving in simplicity, that's what that means, with no strings attached. And they were a group of giving church members. What a mentality they had. None of them had the mentality that I'm going to be on the getting into this. They had the mentality, I want to be on the giving into this. They were like the churches of Macedonia. They wanted to give. They were focused with a heart to give to those who were truly in need. When I, when I worked at Bluebell, a guy asked me if he could borrow $10. And I would have, but I didn't have it. I, I did think about the time he borrowed a dollar and didn't give it back. But I, but I think I would have if I'd have had it. And he said, isn't it more blessed to give than to receive? He used God's word just for the getting end of it. But there's a giving end of it. And these people all had the heart for giving. Their attitude was one of giving. Their attitude was godly. They didn't just put on their Sunday best by way of clothes, face, or an attitude, there wasn't that invisible mask that, that went up, putting that smile on the face. I mean, what they were on Sunday was what they were the rest of the week, and everybody knew it because they gathered all the time. They gathered daily. What they had was real. And they were excited to worship. They were thrilled to gather together daily to serve in their ministry positions. They enjoyed one another and the work that they shared together. You know, you have to push some people to go to church, I guess. Don't get me wrong. Some, some elderly righteous saints, they have to push themselves, but it's not due to a spiritual problem that they have. But if there are those who have to push themselves to go to God's house, that is definitely a problem in the heart of the believer. What we see when we read right here, we see an undeniable pull. An undeniable pull from heaven, exciting the hearts of the people, being made a new creature in Christ and the privilege to be able to serve God. They desired to go to church. They couldn't wait to go to church and to serve the Lord. If there is a push 
to get someone here. There's something desperately wrong in the spiritual life, but oh, that blessed pull, that pull from heaven with the Holy Spirit dwelling in our hearts, leading and guiding us. He has quickened us and made us alive, alive to His work. This early church was godly, and they had a passion for the work. And and I tell you what, these attitudes, they become contagious. Praise God for those with that attitude. Praise God as I consider myself, well, I was lost in church a while... And I was wondering why in the world these people were so excited to be here. And then after I got saved, I, I wanted to know if I could start being that way. And, and, and I'm taking baby steps and I see people faithful and diligent and excited and nothing that was going on in their lives in the world was stopping them from being in God's house and serving Him. And I said, I want that. Praise God for an attitude that is infectious and contagious upon the people of God. They were a godly people. They were a gathering, giving, and godly people. But they were not only an attitude people, they were an adoring people. Verse 47 says, praising God. All of these things that we're reading here, they were done continually by this church. This church was continually praising God. They weren't backbiting. They weren't backsliding. They weren't bitter. They weren't bossy because there was too much praise of God going on in their lives. Everything out of their mouths was praise to God and giving Him glory for how good He is. I'm not exaggerating. He's worth it. He's do it. We should talk about Him all the time in this way. And this church did. They praised God. They weren't afraid to raise a hand. They weren't afraid to clap. They weren't afraid to shout out amen. That's one way to get an amen, I thought, maybe. They were praising God. You know, I'm not trying to be tacky or anything, but but I believe there's some that are too sophisticated today to praise God. They don't believe that that's something that ought to be done. You know, maybe, maybe... There are Christians scared of being called a holy roller. Man, what a compliment you've received if somebody said you're a holy roller. If someone called you a Bible thumper, praise God for that. It's the best book you could ever find. There was so much praising, there was no complaining. You know, I I wish I could say that I've just praised God nonstop around the clock and, and I've lived that and I know that, but I'll try to connect it in some way that to be so busy in what we do, there's not time to stop and overdwell on negative things. I don't know if overdwell is a word, but if it is, you get the point. I, I just, I, there just hasn't been enough time to stop and fret over little things that end up going away because we're so busy in the work of the Lord. May we be so merry in Jesus Christ that we don't murmur. What a wonderful thing that would be. That's what this church had going on. They were praising God almost, and you know, almost all praise has a sound to it. There there are people that tell me they praise silently. And maybe there's one or two ways to hold that in and it'd be real. I, I don't know. 
I don't know. But an inward joy and an expression to give praise to God, it's going to come out and it's going to have sound. And it may be loud and, and that's okay. You may clap your hands in what you might think is the most unopportune time. But look, you, you don't hold back praise to God no matter what it is. The Bible says, shout unto God with the voice of triumph. He says, make a joyful noise. And that's a psalm of praise that he says that in. Praise has a sound to it. The church should never stop being an adoring people. God's worth it. Well, there's a spiritually healthy character that's going on here. Verse 43, and fear came upon every soul. And this is a reverencing fear, being in awe of God as the people of God are. You know, and as we think about the character God puts in us, you know, it's seen. It is seen on the outside. And so as we consider the church that had fear come upon them, a, a holy fear, a reverencing fear, we might also consider what we're going to talk about in a little bit, and that's how the church added, were had added by the Lord daily such as should be saved. So we have in this event here that was ongoing, we have outsiders. And outsiders were coming in, and the Lord was coming to live within them, and He saved them. Okay? So as we consider this Christian character, let us not only consider a holy fear that came upon the people of God, but let's consider the draw. Let's consider the draw that, that came upon the outsiders around this church when they came in and the Lord added daily such as should be saved. You know, we see by this that outsiders became interested. There was a church in a little neighborhood. You know, little neighborhood of houses, and there's a church there. So right across the street was a, was a man who lived in a house. And the preacher walked across the street, said hello to him, invited him to church. He said no thanks. And so the preacher would pull up to the church. The man would be out in his yard. They'd wave at one another and go on. This went on for years and years. And then one day, unfortunately, the church building went up in flames. And the preacher's standing out on the sidewalk looking at the building. And guess who comes up? The neighbor across the street. He crosses that street for the first time. And he comes and stands on the sidewalk next to him. You can imagine the burden of the preacher. And he looks over and sees the neighbor and looks back. Doesn't say anything for a while. Then he, then he, then he just couldn't stand it. And he said, this is the first time you've ever come over to the church. And the neighbor said, this is the first time the church has ever been on fire. <laughs> this church was on fire 
for the Lord in such a way that those outsiders had an impression made upon them that there was something going on besides human effort, above human ability in that church, and the outsiders became interested. A church that continues to live is a church that is going to be able to show something above human effort, and that's going to be heavenly effort. That's going to be the touch of heaven upon that church. There is going to be something going on that only God can do in a church. Sometimes a church seems to get so crafty and, and so specialized in what they do that there's a neglect of what God can do that they cannot do. May we never become a church like that. A church that is going to live is not a church that's going to neglect what only God can do. The outsiders became interested. They, they became intrigued. You know, persecution was very vicious during these times. We've gone through these different churches in the Bible and how they were persecuted. We have a moment in time here where those who were unsaved, they weren't attacking the church. They were intrigued by what was going on. They were astonished at the busyness in a good way that was taking place. Holy saints were operating in the power of the Holy Ghost. A church lives and reaches their community if they have the evident element of the power of God working in their midst. Outsiders became indwelt. Go ahead and look at it now if you want. Verse 47. And the Lord added to the church such as should be saved. The church followed the Lord, and the Lord blessed the church and did his work in the church, saving numerous souls. You don't have to be saved in church. There are many here that weren't saved in church. But I tell you what, the church who Jesus died for and loves. He loves His church and He does a saving work in His church. He does what no man can do. If man will follow God's plan, there will be a saving of souls in the church. May we continue to be a church committed to the commandments and commission of Christ and get to work together continually and keep on for the glory of God and have that witness of souls being saved. As we put an emphasis on everything that God can do, you know, God blesses the right works. When we make spiritually healthy choices, we're going to do spiritually healthy chores. And this is a church that did so. And they lived on. They experienced the favor of God. There was approval of their efforts because what they were doing in the church was scriptural. It's what God wanted and God was able to amen the church. They walked through the motions and God was able to bless. David walked up to Goliath and God blessed. David was ready, God blessed. When the church is ready, when the church is doing what the church should be doing, God is going to bless. They had some spiritually healthy chores and God did what they couldn't do. They had unity. 
They had unity one with another. Only by the Lord's working can there be unity brought into the lives of God's people in His church. You know, I was just amazed over the last couple of years that we've gone through the Bible and so many times... God has so much to say about unity. There's so much instruction for unity in the church. And those who obey God's instructions for unity come to this blessed, divine, unified people in His church. God's people are made to serve together and stand together like no other group of people you can find in this world. There was unity and they were, un, they were just simply unexplainable. The, the miraculous power of the Lord in the midst of the people was far beyond human effort. They made the right choices. They did the right chores. And God empowered the effort. There was unity. It was unexplainable. And they had an unseen presence. When they met in assembly, the Lord met with them. That's why we meet in His name. We worship in Jesus' name. We pray in Jesus' name. We sing to Jesus. We preach Jesus' word. We give an invitation for those who do not know Jesus that they might come to know Him as Lord and Savior. May we never just consider this religious business and God be able to take up His power out of this place and we just continue on business as usual. May we always be sensitive and welcoming to the presence of God in His house as we rely on Him and His power. It was a spiritually healthy church. The Lord added to the church what the Lord wants to do continually, He will do in His church in the lives of those who will be obedient to Him and look to Him. A church that lives is a church that's going to look to the Lord and, and oh, the adding to His church. You know, may, may it not be on us. May we do everything we can that we might be holy and hungry to see souls saved. That we would be bowed at the altar praying for the salvation of souls. That God would do to another what He has done to us when He forgave all of our sins and we came to peace with God and we became a new creature in Christ Jesus and He's done a work in us. He's sanctifying us and He's setting us up. He's gone to prepare a place for you and I. We have assurance of heaven. God forbid we don't be just in in tears on our knees for the salvation of souls. A church that lives is going to have a holy hunger that souls would be saved. This church in the text was witnessing the saving of souls daily. May this church live by the power and the presence of the Lord. May people who enter in here and leave here say God is in this place and God is in this people. Let's keep on 
keeping on. Let us be a church that continues to live and let us go by the pattern that God has given us in His Word. And if you're here this morning, as we take a time always, that if there's one in our midst who is lost, you realize you're unsaved, would you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ today? Would you know Him as Lord and Savior? Would you receive what He freely has to offer you? He will forgive your sins right now. He will come to live within. His shed blood will cleanse you. His Holy Spirit will indwell your heart. And you will know that you have made peace with God. You admit you're a sinner. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you confess Him? Would you confess Him as Lord and Savior, believing in your heart that God raised Him from the dead? Will you do that this morning and trust Jesus? What a wonderful thing to happen on an anniversary service, that it would be your anniversary of, of your life in Christ. I'm only about 17 years old. I'm a lot younger than you thought. And today, and everybody had their first day, everybody realized they were a sinner at some point, and they said, okay, I'll take Jesus. I will trust him. I'll trust that you will be in no wise cast out, the Bible says. You, the, don't fear any rejection whatsoever. Just receive him as your personal Lord and Savior. Now, don't, don't count on some past religious rituals you went through and claim that if there's no evidence from then till now, would you trust him and know him and let him make you new and give you that peace in your heart? One, one old country preacher said, I couldn't go to hell if I wanted to. How, how about that for assurance of what Jesus has completely paid for you and I on the cross? He didn't stay there either. He was buried and he was raised again. He defeated your death, your hell, and your grave. Would you trust him this morning? Would you know him as Lord and Savior? Maybe you're here and, and you need a church. You know, if you get saved, God's going to lay it on your heart to be baptized. And then he's going to put you in his church. But maybe there's a child of God here or a family here. And for whatever reason, you need a church home. And we invite you to come and we'll, we'll receive you the way we're scripturally authorized to as a church. And you can join the family of God here at Lakeway on our anniversary service. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer now. And you do business with God as he moves on your heart. Let us all bow in prayer. Father in heaven, dear God, we do come before your presence and we bow before you this morning. Lord, we thank you for who you are, for your kingdom that's coming. Lord, we pray that you would come quickly, dear God, and we, we trust you and your timing. Lord, we know that, that Jesus is coming to the clouds and he's coming to get all of us, your people. And Lord, if there be one here that would be left behind, we pray that they would know your free saving grace this morning and trust your son. Father, we, we consider as we look forward, dear God, that we might stick to the Bible, that we might stick to biblical principles to guide your church, Lord, that this could be a church that lives on, not for our pride, or to brag about, but for your glory, that we would be privileged to have you to continue to do a work here and to pour your blessings upon this church, that people would grow in you, that the lost would be saved, that your son Jesus would always be magnified 
for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may please stand.